Welcome, everybody. Hopefully, you are having an outstanding Tuesday morning. Welcome to uh, the Break the Cycle with DSD show. I'm your host, Wayne. Things started out okay today. They, st- they actually were working, so that's a good sign. But before I jump into this, just want to say that I'm not a therapist. I'm an individual who's been through an experience probably very similar to yours. And as a result of that, I had to develop some tips and techniques to basically save my sanity that I share with you to help help you do the same, to get your life back, break the cycle of emotional abuse, minimize the damage, get your life back, and hopefully undo parental alienation if you're dealing with that as well. As always, if you uh, think you have a diagnosis, but it hasn't been done by a clinician in a clinical, clinical environment, be careful of that. You don't want to go around throwing around terms, calling your ex names, diagnosing them because you don't want to get into a situation where someone says, well, how did you come up with that diagnosis? And you don't want it to be that you did it. Now, if you have a medical clinician who has done that, that's a different story. But just be careful about that. If you like what we do here, uh, you can become and support, or you can become a channel member and support the show. You can do that over at youtubecom uh, divorce and just look for the join button. I appreciate all the channel members. We have a handful at the end of the show. I scroll the names of the people who are supporting supporting the show, so I really appreciate that. If you want to get text notifications of this so you don't miss it when it's live, you can text DSD Live to eight four four five nine eight zero zero one two. And that will add you on to the list to get text notifications, which if I remember correctly, it did go out today. And speaking of numbers, the phone lines are open. You can call in and participate in the show at 1-424-373-5483-1424-DSD-LIVE. And the You Get to Be You podcast series is still going on. My episode's coming up this weekend. But if you haven't signed up, you can do that by going to yougettobeyou.com slash Dwayne. And uh, I think for a period of time, you'd still be able to listen to all the previous episodes uh, and the previous guests and get their free gifts and all that stuff if you're so interested. So you can, again, do that over at yougettobeyou.com slash Dwayne. So hopefully you guys are doing outstanding today. I have an interesting show for you. Uh, this kind of came out of a discussion, a coaching call I recently did. And when we get into it, it'll be basically talking about the difference between, you know, individual battles compared to the overall objective, you know, final objective of what you're trying to do or what I normally call the war. But we'll get into that momentarily. Let me just uh, check to see if everybody's here, looks like we got a few people jumping in. So I'm just looking at my stuff to make sure that I set everything up right. Because sometimes I for, I mess up, especially yesterday. After yesterday's, or not after yesterday's show, but, but starting up for yesterday's show was just a train wreck. That was really bizarre. But I think I got it fixed. We shall see. So got a few people here. And, oh, we have somebody from Romania. So, hey, Mike, welcome from uh, welcome to the live stream and and uh, <laughs> welcome to uh, our welcome from Romania. That's pretty awesome. So, all right, I'm gonna I'll jump into this again. This discussion came up after uh, a comp, uh, coaching call I recently did, and. and you guys, anybody who's a, a longtime viewer of this channel knows I often use the analogies of wars and battles and the differences between being strategic and tactical in your decision making. And the, the, I think one of the biggest problems that people get into is they get so fixated on whatever is happening at that exact moment. And typically, it's almost a trap to where it's like, okay, if I can give you this shiny object to focus on, and if you focus on that, you could lose sight of exactly your best decisions to help you forward and ultimately undermine what you're trying to accomplish. And that's really the big difference between focusing on the end game, focusing on winning the war, as opposed to the little, well, and they're not necessarily little, but the different battles that you actually go through. The first question you really have to ask yourself is, does that battle, does this little 
smaller issue in comparison to the overall objective you're trying to reach, does it help you achieve that? In other words, if you take, if you respond to a particular issue, or you elevate or escalate it, maybe you go back to court, or maybe you start a, a verbal back and forth to try to get some change or affect change in your situation. If that isn't helping the overall end game, then you really have to question and decide, is it really worth it to go down that road? I've had a conversation with somebody about a year ago, if I remember correctly, who was in a situation where their ex had arbitrarily decided, uh, I'm switching schools. And they're like, no, this is a better school. The kids need to stay at this school. Well, I'm switching school. And the ex just switched the schools. So, I mean, in my mind, if like that's super important and it's overall, it's, it's, it's a key cog in the overall goal of what you're ultimately trying to accomplish, then that battle is worth fighting. The problem is, is sometimes you lose sight of what is really important. And in this particular person's story or situation, they did. They went and they said, nope, this is really important. I have to put my foot down. This is, you know, this is setting up a, a, a cascade of problems that I just can't have. I'm like, all right, you know, you've thought through it. But here's the problem. As a person started progressing into this, it started getting worse. And I remember having another, a follow-up conversation where they're like, you know what? I don't really care. I mean, I don't care. I mean, yeah, this other school is better, but it's not, it's not something I was, I would die on my sword on. And I'm, and, and the problem with that is, is you have to be very strategic in what you're trying to accomplish. If you take up a charge and it's really not that important or, or your objectives aren't really clear, you really have to decide is it really worth it to go down that road? Now, I just gave you one example of where a person did that and it didn't, um, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, uh, worth it. Things were starting to degrade to the point and costing them so much money. And it was like, you know what? I didn't even really care about this. So then you happen to undo, you know, back out of what you're trying to do. And part of the problem with a toxic narcissistic person, anytime you roll around in the mud with them, so to speak, and you give them a victory or they perceive victory or they perceive that they win, it actually tends to make things a lot worse. So that's the other part of this is you have to anticipate what will go wrong and really think about it and be prepared for that to happen. So for instance, if, if let's say going back to that at school analogy, if that was really important to me and I'm like, okay, you know what? I really think the kids need to be in this school this is important for their future. I mean, this is an issue that I have to, I have to go to battle on. And I'll get to another example where you really do have to, you, you really do have to go through it. But, but in this example, and it's so important to me that I'm willing to do it because maybe education is super important, maybe what, whatever the reason might be. But I have to be 100% committed to that and realize that if I lose at least I, it's worth the cost. At least I attempted to do whatever. And although maybe the outcome wasn't what I wanted, it was worth it. Now, again, the school thing is one of those things where it's, it's really tough because it really depends. Like I said, this one other person was like, well, this is, I don't even, why am I even fighting this? I've dumped $5,000 or whatever the number was down the tubes it really hasn't accomplished anything. This is just getting worse and I don't really care. And in that particular situation, I brainstorming with the person, I'm like, well, can you back out of this in a way that minimizes your damages so that you're not giving them a huge victory that empowers them and just tends to make things worse or, well, yeah, that and, or just get to a point to where you can say, okay, you know what? All right. You know, maybe let them feel like they won, but but not have it be, you know, turn into a big, huge problem. I think that the the situation where you really don't have much of a choice is whenever it comes to time, whenever you're being effectively 
your time's being reduced with your kids. Uh, let's say you had a visitation schedule, or let's say you're at the beginning. You're at the beginning of this whole process. There is no order, so pretty much every either one of you can do whatever you want. And you start out with some schedule, and then after a while, they realize, oh crap, this isn't you know this is too beneficial to the other person. So I'm going to start limiting the time. I'm going to start saying, you know, for the good of my my kids, because they're always their possessions, right? It's never our. It's always for the good of my kids. I've decided that seeing you one extra day is killing them or is hurting the kids. And, and because they're such the wonderful parent, parent, they've made the unilateral decision to limit your time. In that situation, in my opinion, and again, you could still use the same criteria and maybe for you, the answer is no, it wouldn't be a, a battle that you really needed to fight. For me, that would be a huge that that's a huge issue because I know that it's, it cascades into other problems. You start losing time. You know, you go from 50, 50 to 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20, whatever the deal is. You go from joint, like in the United States, joint legal, joint physical custody to primary custody. So somebody has our sole custody where somebody has the decision, all the decision-making issues. Again, if you don't care about that, not an issue. If you do care about that, then that's an issue. For me, I did, because I knew that every one of those little battles that I lost was a, would effectively lose, again, using this war and battle analogy, would lose the war. In my situation, I knew that if I didn't get, from, if I didn't get 50-50, every percentage point that went towards her increased the odds that she would be able to, at some point, say, you know what, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to lose. I want to move thousands of miles or hundreds of miles away to uh, move someplace else and uh, affect a, a a change in custody because of a move away. If you're at fifty fifty, it makes it a lot harder for someone to do that. And for someone who's wanting to move, if you've established your location, you've established where they're at. You're you know you can basically walk into court even as the father and say, "Hey, here's the situation." The kids' schools are here. Their extracurricular activities are here. Their coaches are here. Their church is here. Their friends are here. For the best interest of the child, it's better to stay in this environment because it gives them the most stability. Then the other person has to basically argue and say why moving would be in the best interest of the kids. And that's really a tough, depending on where you're at, for the most part, it's a really tough argument to make. You can't just say, well, I'm moving because it's better for me because I have a better job. Well, that's not necessarily better for the kids. It, I'm moving because it's closer to my family. Well, at least in California, at least in my county, that was not a criteria. Whenever that issue came up, because that was one of the uh, the the pushes for it, was to say, well, I want to move back back home, quote unquote, uh, to you know seven or three or four states over. In other words, a two day drive. And uh, the best interest is, is because my family is there and that's where I grew up. And the, basically the system, you know, the evaluator was saying, um, that is not a good compelling reason and in the best interest of the kids. So you have to really, you know, look at that. And that, that's where you really have to take a, a pause and decide, is that little battle or that large battle, really worth pushing the envelope for? Is it really worth it? Again, in my mind, custody is an easy one. Absolutely easy. School is, is could be. In my situation, it was a big one and worth fighting for because I knew that if the kids weren't going to the school that was effectively you know, on the base I worked at, I wouldn't be in a position to take them to school. I wouldn't be in a position to pick them up. It would be nearly impossible for me to have a 50, 50 custody. And I knew that if that one, our second part of it, I knew that the rating of the school in my town was not as good as the other school. The clientele, so to speak, wasn't as good as the other school. You know, the other school is kind of like almost as close to a private school as you can get without having to pay for it. And that was something that I, I was, I, you know, I put a line in the sand and was 
adamant that I wasn't going to uh, back off on that. And if it would have went to court, I would have fought that battle, however I had to, to do it. So I, m- my point on this is it's so easy to get wrapped up in the moment, especially when you're dealing with somebody who completely understands how to push your buttons, how to poke, you know, boop, poke you right in the eye and effectively get you to respond in a way that's it's reactive instead of proactive in a way that doesn't give you the opportunity to really think about what's going on and you, and you just lash out in the moment because they find a way to really effectively trigger you really take a moment and think about what you're going to do if you're being strategic you're working through the you're looking at the issues you're looking at the at the at all of the effects then you're in a better position to where you're making a decision that's that's not just spur of the moment that's not react reactionary but it's more like okay this is you know you're playing chess you're looking at the moves and you're saying okay this move i need to make these five other moves are you're anticipating okay this move is meaning this, this is what they're trying to do. And I need to do something to stop it. And if you can look at that and the course of action you're taking is working towards that, then you're making the right decision. The final thing I just want to mention on this is you have to understand that sometimes doing nothing can affect your outcome. You can also get on the opposite of this to where you don't react. You just let everything go and it just creates a problem. For instance, let's say hypothetically you don't have a custody order, and and this is kind of what happened with me. You know, we started out without a custody order, and uh, and and to be honest, her her supreme failure was not taking the deal that I offered up originally. I had no idea what I was dealing with. I was trying to be well. I wasn't even trying to be fair. I would have basically set myself up for freaking disaster. I was not pushing time. I was like, hey, I'll pay you this. We'll just kind of work it out. It'll be ambiguous. If she would have said yes, she would have got more money. She would have had more time and effectively been in a better, a much better position to make an argument for a move away. You you have to realize that if you just let things go, you don't have any type of boundary. Sometimes they can use that to erode your time. And it's, very, it's a very uh, subjective look because you have to look at it and say, you know, sometimes doing nothing is the right thing. You can look at it and say, okay, in the overall big picture, this issue is not worth dying for or worth fighting for or whatever. And you look at it in the, big, in the grand scheme of things and it's like, okay, this is really not not worth it. So I hope that makes sense. I hope that's helpful because sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in, in what's going on that we lose, uh, we lose sight of, we lose sight of the major objective. All right. So I'm going to look through, Oh, it appears if I'm correct that, uh, moderator Debbie is here. I wasn't thinking she was going to be on today. So let me see if I can find this. Um, oh, huh, I guess I scrolled too far. Uh, let's see. Jerry has, asks, uh, let me move this around a little bit. Whoops. That's not what I wanted to do. That's what I want to do. I want to shrink it up a little bit. Do you think it gets better if they get remarried? So they have someone else to focus their narcissism on sometimes. It depends on the dynamic of that relationship. If they marry somebody who is equally as narcissistic and they just enjoy as a team focusing on you, then it's not so good. And there, I've, I've talked to people who've had that particular situation. However, most of the time when they have a new person in their life, they are focusing most of their attention on, on that. But it, it, again, it, it really depends. So if... I mean, sometimes a, uh, well, I was going to try to say, you know, like a stereotypical man, woman thing, but I've seen it both ways. 
if for some reason that new couple finds that the kids are a key ingredient in their image or their self-worth, then in those situations, they could potentially make it worse. However, I would say probably most of the time, they tend to, they tend to focus on themselves. All their drama is going towards each other. And you get a little bit of a reprieve. The problem is, is also what is typically, or what typically happens is as soon as they are done with that and that falls apart, it's like they, they get out of it and they go, oh crap, I have no one to focus my wonderful attention on <laughs> and they focus it right back on you. But I would expect for the most part, there's going to be a lot of triangulation and a lot of issues when they have a new relationship. Even if it's just, my new person is so awesome. Let me post everything on social media about how wonderful they are. That type of stuff happens a lot. All right, let me look and see what this one is. Um, Aaron in Oz says, uh, not in my experience, new husband was alienated child who teamed up to pass on his own family legacy. Yep. See, that's exactly what I was talking about. And that's, that also happens. All right. Um, all right. It looks like I have an, a caller, so I will go to them. Uh, they are in area code four, two, five. Let me hit the right button. Hello. And welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for having me on here. Oh, That's yeah. good. I'm a return caller. I've called before about uh, my ex-husband taking my daughter away from me during this coronavirus, only right. allowing me to see her in front of his house. Um, this was six months ago this has started. I am getting the courage, wanting to take him into court, file for contempt. Um, okay. you had just recently said your action on not doing anything can hurt you. Will the court see me as someone who has abandoned her child for six months? No, I don't, like, I don't think through, through how, COVID. How could this hurt, how no, could this hurt it, me? It, it, I mean, because I allowed her to stay over at his house, but. I want to take her out to dinner. I want to take her golfing. I want to take her places, but that has not been the case. Are you in a so state that's I'm still in lockdown? Are you in a state that's opened up? Cause I know there's different, there are different uh, ways things are around the country. What, where are you? I don't want to know what state yeah. you're in, but are like for me in California, right. things are still locked down restaurants. They're starting to open up, but it's, it's uh, you know, you can only eat outside that type of thing. So are you guys in a lockdown or are you not? So yes, that's the same. Restaurants are opening up, eating outside, but no personal businesses. Okay. Well, lockdown. then, yeah, I mean, for him, I mean, unless there's some outstanding issue medically, like let's say your daughter has some, uh, you know, some, she's, let's, what am I trying to say? If she's like comorbid for, for uh, COVID, you know, I mean, if there's, if there's an argument to say that she, your daughter shouldn't still be out in public because it's too risky because of her underlying conditions. No. And, and to be honest, I don't no, think that's not it. Yeah. No, then I think you're, I mean, I think, well, let me first, first to address your first part, my opinion and double check with an attorney to make sure is nobody's going to hold this, this COVID time against you. Nobody's going to, you know, the court, I really would be surprised if you went in and said, hey, you know what, I agreed to this because, I mean, in the beginning of this, it was like death and gloom and doom. And the reasonable decision is to try to make it as safe for our kids, right? I think a lot of us did that in the beginning, tried to say, okay, let's minimize time. Now, your ex is obviously is using that to his own, own advantage. I mean, I think it's, you need to basically say, hey, look, you know, things have opened up this doing the social distance visiting in your driveway isn't appropriate anymore. And if he still doubles down on that and forces the issue, then you're going to have to basically go to court. I don't really think with all of this that somebody's going to turn around and say that you abandon your child because you, you haven't, you know, you've made an effort in the beginning to try to see your your kid 
um, and you know you've minimized some things because of the trauma of dealing with your ex. But this is a very unprecedented time. This is not that six months ago you decided to go find yourself and you disappeared and you went to heat to Tahiti for six months and now you're coming back. That's not what this is, and no one's. I don't think anyone's going to look at it that way. Right. I have months of me trying to see her and even proof of him saying I am allowed to talk to her on the phone and that is it. And you have you have a court order, right? You have a court order with you have 50 50 50 custody. And um, we were supposed to go to court in March, but that case was dismissed. And then because of covid, he just two weeks after the case was dismissed said, you know what? No. We're obviously not going to ever go to court. So let's, he took control and my daughter's crying saying, no, I don't want to go with you. It's not safe. I'm staying here. Well, okay, fine. You can stay at your dad. Right. I have such a fear. He has been able to tell my family and friends that I am an unfit mother and they believe him. So I have such a fear of going into court for him to able to do that. But I don't know why I would be so fearful because they look for proof, right? Not right. No, the, the only way you would have a fear is if he's turned everyone against you and you have a laundry list of your family and friends who are going to march into court and say I they... Do. Well, I do. I have no one, no one in my life, all, but it, they have no proof. It's all Devin says this. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, and, and even honestly on that, I mean, for the most part, unless you've done something with proof, most of the time the courts aren't going to turn around and say, you know, oh, okay, you know, all right, yeah, this, this one person says you're a bad person and we agree to it. Now, if you do something that allows them to paint that Where picture. He you and triggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, if, and, I mean, and that, that changes things, right? I mean, if, if, if we are you end up taking the bait and doing something that that validates the story he's trying to put out there, yeah, that could hurt you. But um, I would. Do you have an attorney? I did six months ago, but I okay refunded the case. Can you? Okay, can you? Uh, I, I would. I mean, you, you could do one or two, or you could do a couple things. I mean, you could say, "Hey, look, buddy," insert name. Um, this is, I mean, things are opening up. Schools are, well, maybe schools, like out here, schools are still, they're virtual. But I mean, you can make an argument saying, look, all right, this has been long enough. Things have calmed down. We know how to deal with it. We know how to social distance. We know how to wear a mask. We know how to do all those things. So this isn't appropriate anymore. It needs to change. And if it doesn't, we're going, I'm taking you to court. And if he backs off, then great. If not, then file and get an attorney if you need one. I would probably recommend it just for the anxiety aspects of it for you, just so you have somebody who's dealing with it. So you're not, because I would imagine, cause I know for me, even me personally in the early parts of this, having to try to deal with the legal side of this on my own was too, too stressful for me. So I, I wasn't personally, I didn't feel like I was able to do it and then just mash the button on it and get the court order enforced. And I think that uh, unless he can come up with some reason why it, some circumstances have changed that that fifty fifty doesn't work anymore. I don't see any reason why someone's going to say why the court would turn around and say, "Yeah, you know what, you guys were doing fifty fifty, but no, not anymore." So you know, but I mean, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to beat you down and set a precedence that that your daughter's always with him. And but you know what, even if that happened, you need uninterrupted access to your child. Let's say worst case, and I, and I hope that this doesn't, doesn't make you tense up or anything, but worst case, if they turn around and said, okay, you know what? Yeah, fine. The, the child should be with dad more. You still would get time to go do something with her. And that's what you need. You need to be able to not in his driveway, go take your daughter and go sit on a patio and have a coffee outside or a, an ice cream or whatever the heck it is that's open in your area or heck, even if it's just walking in a park or going to your house for a couple of days, that's what you need. And unfortunately right now he's setting up a scenario where he's util or he's leveraging this, this COVID fear, probably pushing it on your kid to try to keep that going as much as possible. 
And you're at a point now, especially now that things are starting to open back up, that you're completely valid to to say no. This is we're not doing this anymore, and we need to switch. Yes, I am. <laughs> I've been saying all of those things to him. I just need to go into court and do these, file these things. Yep. I am too scared of him. He's um, very charming. He always seems to get what says anything, and people believe him. Well, again, the the issue is is that he would have to have some example or some evidence of of why you're a problem, and just saying it, no one believes it, right? I mean, maybe okay, maybe maybe the flying monkeys and the people who aren't really on your side believe it, but unless there's some hard evidence, it's it in a court of law, they're not gonna. I mean. You know, everything I mean, is up I in the air, right? Say that again. I have a lot of things on my side of my case, so I don't even know why I'm fearful. I've got uh, two school districts that she has gone to of the main office, mm-hmm. writing me a paper saying how the father denies me the Thursday folder that they send home because she's with him on Thursdays. He does not feel it is right for me, for him to send me the folder of her schoolwork information. So I had to go into the office and request a second folder just to be made for me because he will not share it. Yeah. And see, now I you, and so in an effect, you. Doctors also writing me yeah. letters saying that I'm the only parent who has ever, that they have ever seen take her into a doctor appointment. And now that it's been six months going on seven that he, she isn't with his with his care, where's the dentist appointment? She needs a teeth cleaning. It's been six months. It's, it was just her birthday. Now she needs a doctor checkup for a well year checkup. He's not doing these things. So okay. I have things on my side that uh, I, I mean, I'm taking wh- care of her. He's not. You just said it. You, I mean, what you just said is you, you have evidence to, to demonstrate a difference. He probably doesn't. Right. Honestly, you, you need to call your attorney and start filing. I know it's expensive and I know that it's it's stressful, but you know, you've called in a few times. You're under a tremendous amount of stress anyways. I mean, you're already feeling stress, right? I mean, kind of like going back to what I was talking about before with the, you know, with the war and battle. You know, you've already fought a couple of battles and you're already in the middle of it. The thing is is now you need to get to where you have uninhibited uninhibited access to your child and start getting things back to normal. And as a result of the current situation, the only way you're really going to be able to do that is to force it through court. Oh, and let's see, John Boston just made a comment. It says, I got notes from the doctor saying I took my kids to the doctor and that was very helpful with the case I was in. And most of the time it is. Honestly, you have a lot of information or you have a lot of stuff on your side. You've tried to accommodate this. I mean, when you called before... And we were talking about it. Things were a little more tense. The lockdowns were a lot more stricter. You know, I mean, it was it was a different time. Things are starting to change. Things are starting to open back up. So, you know, it's not... It, I know what your, your ex is trying to do. He's levering this as much as possible. He's playing on the fears of, of the kids, of your child. I mean, I see that. I have my... Uh, even in my situation, and it's not a custody issue, you know, my 21-year-old is still super nervous and anxious about this. So you take a child and you give them, uh, you know, somebody who's not 21 and is younger. I know yours is younger. You're in a situation to where it's a lot easier to freak a kid out that this is doomsday. And I mean, okay, yeah, it's serious. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that what we're currently going through, but I think as a, I mean, we've learned enough to, we know what we can do. We know what we can't do. We know how we need to clean we know how what we need to do to protect ourselves and minimize the risks and that's what you do so it's not like it was before so yeah i mean and i don't i wouldn't feel i mean i I understand feeling anxious because it's very scary going to court is scary dealing with somebody who's unpredictable and who is charming i i can relate i mean i remember it seemed like no matter what i did the ex was able just to just bounce around and everyone just was like, oh, what a, what a wonderful person. You know, you must be a scumbag. And it's like, what? Yeah. 
and it's stressful. So, but you know, whatever other people think really has no relevance. The only thing that matters is what the judge thinks. And if any evaluators involved, what they think, everyone else can say whatever the hell they want. I mean, as long as they don't bring up, you know, as long as they don't have evidence of why you're a problem, then it's, you know, you, if you don't do anything, your ex is just going to keep this as the norm and it's just going to make it harder and harder to try to undo. I, I thank you so much. I have no one on my side to talk to these, my concerns about just having to call you and feel some validation and talking to that. No, everything is okay. There, I'm not who he's trying to portray me as, even yeah. though everyone in my life is. No. Yeah. And so I thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, and you know, check out the, check out the discord. Um, and I'll show the link here in a moment, but, but there's a community of people on there who all understand what you're going through on both sides, both the the dad and the mom side. And there's a support group there that could be of benefit. Uh, I would encourage you to sign up for that just so you have some other people throughout the day that you can, uh, brainstorm with or, or just vent if you need to, and not have to worry about, people, you know, judging on you. All right. You said it was called discord. Yeah. I'll put, um, just right after this, as soon as we get off the call, I'll bring up the, the link. So, and uh, tell you how to find it. All right. And put it on there. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good rest of your day. You know, it's amazing how much these people can, uh, not can, but just, screw with your head. They really get into your head to where you start second guessing yourself. You don't believe yourself. You don't think anyone else will believe you. Excuse me. And it just drives you crazy. All right. What I'm going to do right now is if this works, all right, to get to the discord invite, just go to the main YouTube page. If you're listening to this on the podcast, it's youtube.com slash dad surviving divorce when you get to the main banner page which i need to update but in the top of the banner there are three links one is for the website one is for uh paypal and the one the little one on the on the right is discord if you click on that it is the invite link to get you into the discord when you first click on it it will say if it loads when it finally loads it'll say hey welcome to the discord uh, you know, you've been invited. Do you want to accept the invite? And it looks like, uh, moderator Debbie has put that in, uh, that link in the chat as well. So then you just accept the invite, follow the instructions, create an account. Uh, you can have an app that runs on your phone or your computer, or you can just use it through a web browser. That's typically the way I've been using it lately. And, uh, yeah, that will get you in. Uh Oh, I'm not switching now. All right, so now I'm trying to get back. <laughs> it's funny how, how things just stop working sometimes. Jeez, I don't know what's going on. I'm getting really frustrated with this computer thing. So let me close that out. So, ah, uh, man. I'm, uh, I don't know what is going on with my system. It's, it's really getting frustrating. Let me see if I can just... Okay, so now it's... Now it's working. I don't like being in a situation where you, you do something and you just don't know if it's actually going to work. All right, let me see. I think there was another comment or a couple of comments I missed or just one. All right, let me see if I can find this from Jerry. I am scrolling up. All right, I found it. And there it goes. Jerry says, being subject to the, abu- to the abuse after a 30-year marriage, I am super paranoid to get into another relationship. Did you go through these types of feelings? How does one overcome them if yes? I would say that in the beginning, I not that I didn't, but I wasn't healed from this. So I didn't think I had a problem. So I got into a relationship too soon. I had, well, I had one that I got into right after 
you know, before even the divorce was final. And that was interesting. I mean, that was kind of good, kind of, because it was like a, a quick example of, hey, not everyone is like the ex. However, I wasn't ready for it. And even when I got into my relationship with Debbie, and we've been together for a little over six years, let me hide that. Um, I thought things were good. I, I hadn't dealt with anything. So it was one of those things where the ex was leaving me alone. I finally kind of got my, what I thought was my new battle rhythm. I had taken all that pent up frustration and anger and I put it in a box and I put it underneath the bed and I thought, man, I am good to go. <laughs> I was not good to go. <laughs> I was not good to go. Uh, what happened is, is as soon as the ex found out that I was dating somebody, it was like Pandora's box has been opened. The gates of hell were cracked open and she released the hounds, released the hounds. And, uh, it turned into a, a complete disaster. And since I was not healed, all those things, that box that I had, that I had, that I had lightly, uh, put little tape on and put underneath the bed sprung open and everything just just came out it was horrible it nearly destroyed my relationship with debbie i actually got to the point that her treating me well was screwing with my head because i couldn't under i couldn't wrap my head around how somebody would treat me with respect would respect my boundaries would be caring and loving and uh and you know not uh demeaning, not putting me down, not taking every little, every little moment to go, Oh, let me just go eh, right in your eye. And it messed with me. So my take on that, Jerry, you need to spend time healing yourself. You need to spend time being okay with just you before you get into a relationship. And there's a couple of reasons why that's super important. One is being able to be okay in your own environment. Be okay being just with yourself. Because when you do that, if you allow someone, even a friend, if you allow someone into your life and you're like, this person's toxic, I don't need this garbage in my life. It makes it so much easier to say, you know what? I don't mind going to the coffee shop by myself. I don't mind going out to a restaurant when we could actually go out to restaurants, but let's just say hypothetically, I don't mind going out to a restaurant by myself, sitting down and ordering a nice meal and looking at, at whatever is going on and listening to the noises and, and maybe reading something on your phone or, or a book or something. It was hard for me to get to that point. But when, you, when you're okay with that, then you don't allow abuse into your life. Then if you recognize somebody who's abusive, you'll say, no. Okay, second part. That's the first part. The second part is, is you have to deal with the trauma of the 30 years of abuse that you dealt with and whatever before that enabled you to be primed to do that, which more than likely was your childhood. So if you were in a 30-year relationship, that means you probably have another eight, at least 18 to 17 to 20 years that you grew up in an abusive household. So in that situation, you got 50 years that you need to process and give yourself time to do. The easiest way to know if that's working is, are you being triggered by things, events? Does your ex still trigger you? If the answer is yes, you need to wait and you need to work on yourself. If you are in a situation where you're at work and someone says something to you and you have a, tr- uh, you have a triggered response, typically in that situation, and what I found for me personally is it was more of a PTRC, complex post-traumatic stress disorder response, because I didn't understand where the hell it was coming from. Somebody would say something, I'm like, why in the hell am I? I mean, like, I just completely went from having a good day to a crappy day, or I went from being happy to completely angry. Maybe I even lashed out at the person. For what? The situation is, is that I had all this backed up trauma that I hadn't dealt with. So when someone did something that reminded me of maybe what my mom did or what my dad did or, you know, whatever, it was triggering back to me being, you know, five years old or something. I couldn't even run. I didn't even have a path to get to that. Give yourself time to heal from this. 
Uh, does that mean, how do you overcome it? Yeah, where you said, how, uh, how does one overcome them? What I just said, you got to go through that. You have to basically get okay with yourself and then you have to deal with the demons that got you there in the first place. Maybe that's, uh, you know, trauma therapy is excellent. You know, maybe you have to use EMDR or some other type of technique to help you process those, those things. And, and I'll tell anybody listening to this, you, and I said this the other day, you owe it to yourself to do that. You're already dealing with this. Your eyes have already been basically open to what's going on. Go the next step. Just continue on, Right. I mean, it's like uh, another analogy. I mean, if you start going to college and you're working on your degree, if you don't, if you stop, you never make it forward. How many people, I'm one of them. I mean, I'm one of those people who started college and then just, it got overcome by events and 25 years passes by and it's like, holy crap. Whereas if I would have just stuck with it, even if I did it slowly, I would have had that completed. Just even if it's slow and painful, even if you have to take maybe a little bit of breaks every once in a while, just keep pushing through it. All right, let me see what else is going on in in everything. Wow, I just went on a tirade and now it's 646. Holy cow. Uh, Let's see. Um, dirty dasher. I see your comment and I don't says what type of therapist do you need that? Um, if you could clarify that, I will answer that. Uh, let me see if I can find, uh, this other comments. I can highlight it. I'm scrolling around. Uh, here it is. Jack says, or Jackie says, I stayed single for five and a half years, did a ton of work towards healing now in a beautiful healthy relationship. Six months today and so happy. Never thought it was possible. Let's see if I can do that in the microphone. That right there. Work on yourself and it, it works out. And, and it's not that... It, 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 the difference is... What happens is, is a narcissistic person, they put out little feelers. They go, you know, they, they, they do these little pokes here, pokes here, pokes here. Somebody who isn't emotionally healthy they're going to poke and they're going to see their response and they're going to go, aha, that's a person that has low self-esteem, low boundaries, and I have an in. And then they'll play that. If they poke on you and, and you're one of, if you're emotionally healthy and you're like, no, I ain't playing that, then they just move on to someone else. They might, they might even try. They might go, well, you know what? This, this is a, this is a enough of a challenge that I'm going to try it. And, uh, the difference is, is that once you've healed, you, you know what the hell they're doing and you don't put up with it. Part of it, or the biggest part about it is when you get to the point that you're not scared to be alone, then it doesn't bother you. Like I'm in that mode, right? I mean, I, I know I'm in a relationship. I've been in a long-term relationship. We don't live together, but I mean, we've been together for over six years. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like I have to have someone in there, Right. And I think it's better, right? Because it's like, okay, I can look at, sorry, Debbie, I know you're <laughs> talking about you as you're in the, as in the comments, but, but the reality is, is that I'm with somebody who that I can objectively look at and say, you know what, overall, it's like, I like this person in my life. I think it's a compliment. It's not detracting. It's not, you know, it's somebody's not throwing roadblocks in my way, trying to throw landmines in my way or, or emotionally screw with me. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you know what? This is, this is a worthwhile inve- investment. Not inv- <laughs> This is a worthwhile investment of my time. No, what I mean is, is that it's not, there, there's, it's not destructive. I wouldn't allow that in my life anymore. You know, if, if the relationship completely went south, then it would be, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of time, but it's at the end of the day, it's not one of those things where I'm going to be like, oh my God, you know, it's, it, the, the, it's so scary to be alone that I'm going to put up with, with negative toxic behavior. I hope that made sense. I'm sure Debbie will let me know <laughs> after the stream's over. Anyways, 
Uh, let's see. Did Old Dasher clarify? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Mm, got. Why well, will grab this? Old Dasher says, got with the ex at 23. Was with her for 20 years. That's 40 plus three or 43 plus years of trauma. Dude, that's a, pretty close to me. I mean, I got with mine at uh, like 18, 19. And we were together for 21, 22 years. And, uh, you know, and then I had all that other stuff before. If, if old Dasher, if you were talking about what type of therapist, if for you, I would say look for a therapist that has, um, you know, trauma in their, in their um, description. Like if you go online and you look for uh, uh, like psychological, psychological, psychology today, easy for me to say, look in your area. Most of the times they'll show like the, the name they'll show, uh, you know, probably their rating and then they'll show what their specialty is. Like maybe it's, uh, you know, marriage and family, you know, issues. Maybe it's children. They focus on children. Maybe it's, uh, LGBT issues. Maybe it's, it's, um, you know, uh, sometimes it says trauma, find some, to find a trauma therapist, because that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with deep rooted trauma from, from years of emotional and or physical abuse. And that's what you have to, uh, to, to undo. I personally was just accidentally ended up with a trauma therapist and I was so grateful and lucky for it. To be perfectly honest, I think all the therapists that I, that, um, I ended up dealing with, I was so lucky that they all were really good. Uh, the one from work, the, uh, the, um, EAP, the employment assistance program therapist was pretty good. The marriage and family therapist was pretty good. Uh, even though we didn't, I didn't, we didn't use her for that long. The last one I had was really good. I had another one in between, but I was paying them directly and I just ran out of money. They, she was actually really good too. Uh, so it wasn't a horrible situation there, but I was in a, I was in a bad situation. DC says, uh, test for a new therapist, ask them if they know about CPTSD. Some don't believe it's a real thing. Yeah, probably when the new ESD, I saw EMDR, so it messed me up. Uh, probably when the new DSM uh, DSM six comes out, whenever that is, maybe they'll they'll uh, change that. But uh, yeah, you definitely want to have somebody who understands this stuff, who who gets it. Uh, probably you'd be better off if you do the initial meeting, and if they're like, hmm, you know, it kind of sounds like you might be dealing with somebody, you know, like a personality disorder, then you know you're on the right, you know, you're on the right track. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I like this. Trisha says, I've learned that my cluster B childhood now makes every first date, uh, is a job interview for MB- <laughs> NPD abuse. I mean, I, I you probably don't necessarily want to go into that on every first date, but you know, you want to have your spidey senses up. And here's the thing. Honestly, most of the time our guts tell us you know, not always. Sometimes if we haven't healed, our guts will be like, oh yeah, that's who we need to get with. Need more trauma. Anyways. All right. We are close, are quickly running out of time. Man, how does it, hours just fly by. Let's see. Um, All right. I see solar eclipse. I won't answer your thing on air, but I did see your comment and I'll answer that uh, later today. So. Oh, I like this. Jack says, yes, makes sense. We are no longer codependent. That's the key, right? I mean, whenever you are, you, you, you get to, to the point that you can, whoa, what did I do there? Validate yourself. And you don't, get ex and you don't need or require external validation for somebody that is such a life transformation transforming uh situation to be in because when you need the approval and validation from somebody else externally if your happiness and your self-worth is is 
gleaned or achieved because of the admiration and validation of an external person, even if that person is a great, wonderful human being, it's not a healthy situation to be in. Their approval and validation should be a bonus, right? You should be solid in your foundation. You should feel good about who you are. If they have constructive criticism and it's, and it's done in a loving way, okay, fine. But it, you, you don't want to be in a situation to where if you don't have somebody basically, get, you know, basically tapping you on the head and saying you're an awesome person and you're chasing that and then you're going around trying to, to make that person do that, and that's how they control you. As soon as a, a toxic person understands, oh, this person really needs my approval, so I can now play emotional games with them to get what I want. And sometimes what they want isn't for you to do something. It's just to make you dance. It's just to make you squirm. It's just to make you, or to make you feel something that they decide. It can be just as malicious as, you know what? I'm sitting here, uh, you know, my, 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 my significant other is having a good day. I don't want them to have a good day. I want to, I want to bring it down a notch. And you just start, you, you, you systematically just tear them down. And because that person needs your, your, uh, admiration and approval, then they start trying to fit. What did I do wrong? What can I do to fix it? And it's tough, right? Because whenever you have, you know, if you have somebody who's in your life that, uh, is important to you, it's really easy to get to that point to where them playing those games really negatively affects you. The difference is, is whenever you get to the point that you're healthy, you look around and you go, um, you need to knock that off. I'm not playing this game. I don't know what you're doing. This is, you know, no, this is a problem. Like this is a deal breaker right now. This is a line in the sand. And if this behavior doesn't stop, and I'm saying that because it's not like, I mean, people have bad days. But you need to be able to have a conversation with them. If the person's like, "Oh crap," "Oh sorry," you know, whatever, and then you just, then in that situation, like the other person talking about the job interview, then you're looking at it like, "Okay, is this a pattern? Was this an anomaly?" I mean, all of us have bad days, you know. We all have bad days, but you can you have a discussion about it that uh, achieves, you know, good discussion, good communication, and and real change. All right, man, we are at 659, sorry, 658. I can't even read. I see the big eight right there. So let me see what if we have a couple more minutes. Uh, oh, I'm going to grab this. Jerry says, I have done trauma therapy and EMDR and I'm doing mostly well. However, I just can't seem to shake trauma dreams and the uh, associated anxiety attack. Anyone have any pointers on shaking trauma dreams? What I did with that, is um, I did the hypnosis stuff. So, uh, and actually what's really weird, I was just looking at my therapist, the other, my old therapist the other day, and she actually says that she has that now, which is like, oh, wow, that's interesting. She didn't have that before. Um, what I did, and let me see if I can get it to work. I'll go to resources, click this. This will probably crash my computer again, and I'm going to try to do this quickly. If it'll load, come on, come on, you can do it. It's not loading. All right, if it was loading... Wait a minute, there it goes. What I ended up doing that was really helpful were uh, the the rebuilding when your relationship ends workbook was really helpful, but these hypnosis download files. I know if, you, if you've never even considered it, and I never, ever, 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 ever would have considered it, this stuff really helped me. These, the mend your broken heart, letting it go, unrequited uh, requited love, if I'm saying that right, those three... I mean, actually, all of them were good, and I think in the relationship, in the relationship pack, there's another one that I didn't didn't have. I listened to those over and over and over and over again, and that really helped calm my mind. And the panic attacks and the anxiety started to go down. Still took a long time. Oh crap! I am almost out of time. I wasn't looking at the clock. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for all the channel members. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I will be back tomorrow. If I can figure out how to get my system to work, I will have a guest soon. Maybe this week, but probably not because I keep having issues. On that, be kind to yourself. 
and uh, hopefully see you back here tomorrow.